Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. My guest today is Alark, also known as Mary Alouette. Alark is a music producer, performer, and vocalist based out of Los Angeles, but she started off in the field of opera performance studying at McGill in Montreal, Canada. Though now she plays around in the worlds of musical theater, pop, gypsy music, and electronic dance music, and also teaches artists online, helping women especially find their signature musical sound at findyoursignaturesound.com. And in this interview, we dive deep into things like making a sustainable music career, bouncing around to different genres and how that can work in your favor, and many, many other things about how to have a cool, sustainable musical career. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Alark. My first question for you is all about your transitions from all of the various music styles you did, because you started in opera, and then nowadays you're doing electronic music production, singing, you've done gypsy jazz, you've done so many different styles of music. So I'm curious, can you like lead us through that journey of how you started, what style it was when you started, and how it kind of came to what you're doing right now? Yeah, it has been a journey. For 28 years now doing this professionally, um, I started when I was seven doing musical theater professionally, and then I was doing that and film and also pop singing. And then that led into opera singing with Placido Domingo at the Kennedy Center. And I got my degree in classical voice at the Schulich School of Music at McGill University in Montreal, Canada. While I was there, I had one foot in the door for opera by day. And then by night, I was going to raves, jazz shows, <laughs> punk, Afrobeat, circus performances, all kinds of stuff. And I was doing that and working with the digital composition studio at McGill and just loved forward thinking music. Opera wasn't for me. I loved it, but it didn't line up with my personality. And then I fell into a career singing gypsy jazz music through a Craigslist ad. And then I... <laughs> The gigs kept coming, they were paid, and so I took it and I went with it. And then I did that full time in New York for seven years. And we're talking five nights a week, three hour gigs, and it was good. I really loved the music and the people, but it wasn't me fully. I was still doing cover songs in another genre. So while I was doing that, I was also writing and releasing my own original music, which combined electronic with this jazz and some elements of classical. And I worked as an audio engineer apprentice at a music studio and would even sit in on sessions with ASAP Rocky and other great artists. So that was cool. And while I was doing all of this, I felt like I wasn't fully in my own lane doing what I love to do. I was also teaching a little bit. And well, yeah, I've been teaching now for 15 years. And I thought, I need to free up my time in the evening to do gigs for the kind of music that I want to do. So I shifted my teaching to work with high vibe female artists and pop and electronic music who are professional or just on the brink of that and 
share what I've been learning through different genres and all of the years on the gig. And then also myself, I've been diving into more of doing my own production, songwriting, singing. And uh, now I'm releasing some new singles that I'm super pumped about. Yeah. Yeah. You have so much cool stuff. to like, there's so much in that just to dive into. I really want to just hit that Craigslist ad real quick. How does that even come up? How do you, what were you even searching for where it's something like that? A gypsy jazz gig comes up. Oh man. I've had so many cool experiences come out of random things. I was searching for an opportunity to sing and this band needed a singer who could sing in French for a Christmas gig at the embassy and having studied opera, We took languages and I had just spent a summer living and working at a vineyard in the south of France, which I found through a classified ad when I was searching for help with taxes. So, you know, you just find things and then you just like put offers out into the world and sometimes really cool things happen. And then you suss it out with your intuition and checking it out, have some street smarts and then decide to go with it because life is but a dream. So why not? I like that. And I like that you kind of listen to your intuition. I'm curious because you moved from, I believe, New York City to L.A. recently. Yeah. So I'm curious, was that intuitive? Was that something where your tummy told you it was time or what kind of spurred that? Yeah, it's been a childhood dream to live here and do music. So there is that element. And I've been thinking about it for the past few years. And then with my coaching business, I created it to allow myself more time to do my original music. And with COVID, Half of it had been online, but then with COVID, it was fully online. So I had no attachments. I also personally was transitioning into a space where I could just do everything. Like I had gotten out of a relationship and I was like, okay, it's just me. Let's do this. And it actually was not hard at all. Very nice. Yeah. So I'm curious because you have you know, your own music. You also have this coaching thing you're doing, which is really cool. I like musicians who are this mix of entrepreneur and musician also doing the craft itself and you are that in between what spurred that like what made you say oh i'm going to start teaching other people in a more kind of scalable capacity instead of just one-on-one you're going to do this online program can you talk about all of that yeah hmm where to even begin well i started doing it because i needed more ways to support myself financially and as many times as i've tried i fantasized about leaving music because it can be really hard i can't I can't leave it. And like, I was like, what would it be like if I just did some nine to five job or just didn't work or I don't know, but I can't do it. So it's like, okay, it's really important for me to provide a safe space for other female artists where you don't have to question someone's motives. And also I learn from my students and I think all great teachers do. It could be a technical thing, but it's also just life wisdom, watching someone just show up, continue to work versus the ones who don't. And it's inspiring. And in terms of doing the group program, these are things I take business courses and I'm involved in masterminds with other high level entrepreneurs. Well, they're really high level, like multi-million dollar entrepreneurs. And so I just implement the trainings that they teach in order to maximize my time and to be able to better support other people. I find that learning business has been so much fun and it's so interesting. When I was just doing music and in my 
bohemian incubator phase, which was possible when living in Montreal because there's a lot of governmental support for the arts. When I was living in New York, good luck. Like, it's not possible. And when I started learning business, it directly impacted my art because I had a new perspective. It was applying the scientific method to my work with the creative flow and then also the receptivity of it and seeing what sticks, what people enjoy and how to match that with what I'm passionate about and getting into numbers. I used to resist it so much, but now I'm embracing it because numbers tell a story and it's interesting just to see the facts laid out. And I don't know, you, you just grow so much when you embrace the business element. It's so true. And I think so many artists kind of avoid it too. They're, they're so scared of the business side of things. So I'm curious what you would even say to those people who are like afraid of money, afraid of numbers, afraid of learning this stuff. What, how do you kind of encourage them? Because I'm sure you've run into artists who are resistant to that stuff or at least unaware of it. Yeah, it always comes back to the dream. What's your dream? Who do I need to be in order to make that a reality? And then you, you look at people who are where you want to be and what are they doing? And take advice from those people, not from people who aren't doing it, but the people who are doing it, what are they embracing? And be open to change because we can't get new results by doing the same things. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are coaching people and you're like Supreme Sound program, what are you even teaching them? What are you helping them with? How long is it? We work with voice and songwriting, some elements of music production, but it's more around the piecing together songs. We don't go deep into mixing and mastering. I work with other engineers for that. And then we work around release strategies, branding and business, and the personal growth elements to have that confidence or to eradicate blocks that are in the way from you stepping into your next level. And so I work with artists one-on-one and also through group programs. And I also teach classes in workshops online and master classes. And I have a Facebook community. Nice. So like, what are some of the struggles, like most common struggles your students kind of deal with? What are the main roadblocks that maybe come up more often than not that you're helping people through? Lack of clarity. I think the biggest thing is resistance. What it is, is subconsciously, the ego doesn't want to change. And so it wants to stay in confusion because if you allow yourself to be confused, it means that you don't have to commit and you don't have to fail or you don't have to succeed. So it allows you to like stay safe. But ultimately, it's the most dangerous thing that you can do because we don't get our time back. So I think that's a trend that I notice. I think that's really cool because I think lack of clarity is something I've dealt with. Maybe you've dealt with too. A lot of artists have dealt with a million, million times. I'm curious how you've kind of learned to get past it or how you work on yourself, how you learn. What do you kind of trend towards when it does come to learning how to break past your own roadblocks? Is it community? Is it mentors? Is it something else? E, all of the above. (laughs) You know, it's really about the personal elements for me. It's getting support in multiple areas and getting out of denial. So everyone's a unique snowflake. And as I learn more, I, I've i come to see that I come from a dysfunctional family. That's not who I am, but that's part of where I come from. And so that shaped how I used to act without even knowing it. 
I was codependent, meaning I thought I had to do certain things to please other people, which is not true, but I told myself these things subconsciously. And so through awakening, and it's like lifting the veil, just seeing so many things in a different light. And I think there's things from getting professional support one-on-one, from being in support groups for the personal side, and then also being around mentors who are doing what you want to do. So for me, I have mentors for business. I have mentors for music still, because I think there's always something to learn and it's really fun to learn. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think also elements like meditation I love now and it's just stillness those kinds of things I don't know it's just so juicy and I think doing these things and then noticing the results encourages you even more to keep going it's quite fun yeah it is fun I agree I totally love the personal development stuff so so much and it's how it helps it helps a crazy amount and I'm sure even when you are doing something like releasing a new album or even moving to a new city where you may not have as big of a network as the place you just came from. I'm sure all of that stuff helps. It helps you stay grounded. It helps you stay from like panicking or anything like that when you are moving or trying new things, whatever. And I'm curious, now that you are in LA, which is the place where so many musicians go, what's that transition been like? What have you been doing? What have you been focusing on? Is it all about networking? Is it Oh, you already had friends there. So you were just going to hang out with them. What is your focus when you do move to a big city, especially to further your music career? A lot of it's online. That's in part due to COVID. But I do make a concerted effort to build new relationships. And then I also take stock of the people that I know here and link up with them as well. Just nurturing relationships, planting the seed, and then also being detached from any particular outcome and just yeah, showing up. Yeah, it makes sense. Showing up is so so much of it, right? It's such a big part of it. Yeah. And when you are quote unquote showing up, what does that mean for you? What types of places are you going to? Who are you talking to? What are the people that you're really kind of targeting for lack of a better word that you really want to get to meet? Is it other musicians? Is it producers? Is it engineers? What sorts of people do you like to kind of network with, hang out with, talk to, learn from? Yeah, well, there are different categories that people might fall into in terms of their work. And then there are also organizations. So the organization part is a little bit easier. So I really value the community called Women in Music. And then there's another community called She Said So. And then there's another one called She Is the Music. So those are three global communities that women in music can be supported by and meet other individuals through events and mailing lists and things like that. And then also I found some of the most fruitful relationships in terms of work. And then also just connecting with people have been through online events and workshops or for example, even how we met through dots listening party kind of thing. Right. Workshops for sync licensing workshops, talking with a at different labels, things like that. I like that. Yeah, it, it's true. The type of person who would go to a workshop to learn more is someone who I would personally want to be friends with as well. Like it is something like, oh, you're also interested in learning and furthering yourself and getting better. The odds of you having something in common are much higher than if you're just you know, blasting out emails to random people who you don't know anything about, right? It's, it makes things a little bit easier when you are kind of going that route. 
So that seems like a much smarter way to go about it. <laughs> the blasting cold emails like made me shudder. <laughs> <laughs> I've done so that. So many people do it. Oh, I've done it too. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing. And then I would get some mean responses sometime. And then I was like, ouch. I'm like, okay, this needs to change. Right. No, it's it's very easy to not know because no one no one in school says, okay, here are the rules on how to email a professional. Like no one goes through that. That's not a class in any music school or anything like that. I wish it was. That'd be very handy. But you kind of have to pick it up on your own. Those little social cues, those little like professional bits of learning you kind of have to pick up on your own as you just kind of do the thing over and over. Or if you work with a mentor, yes, we'll give it to you straight right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's a bit of a shortcut there in that if you have someone who can guide you, whether it's, you know, it could be an acquaintance, it could be someone you're hiring, it could be anything in between. The help of that is so, so, so massive. So I'm glad you hit that because holy crap, it's not an often talked about thing of how important it can be for a career. It's so helpful. Yeah, it's it's great. So I'm curious, then, in terms of your personal music, your releasing of your own personal music, what kind of started the Alark brand? What, when did that start? Why did that start? Was it specifically for a certain style? Was it because you felt you need to break away from the previous stuff you were doing? How did that start? Yeah, exactly. I was doing the gypsy jazz music and I was doing my own original music. And then I have fans saying, what am I going to expect at this live show? So I separated them as if you have a different band. Right. That makes sense. Okay, cool. So how does Alark handle the releases then? When a new song is coming out, how do you handle those? Because a lot of artists will just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to put up on Spotify and hope people listen. But you don't seem that type. You have a really good promotional bent to all of your stuff. When I'm watching you on Instagram, it seems like you really know how to share your stuff. So how does that work for you? Thanks. It's always a learning process. I don't feel like I've arrived there. I feel like I have a lot of things I've left to do. Of course, I have a lot of things left to do. Not even left to do. Just even this weekend, things that I'm going to be learning and implementing. I'll tell you some mistakes that I made and also some things that I wish that I would have done for a recent thing and what I will be focusing more on in the future. I think that's the best way to look at it because promotional strategies are always evolving with the internet and different platforms. My mistake was I invested a lot of money in a PR company. I know that nothing is guaranteed with PR. And I also made a rash decision before I interviewed a lot of professionals. And had I, I think, allocated funds differently to spend more money on direct marketing through Facebook ads and different promotional strategies that could be beneficial and it's not over. So of course that's possible as well. Another thing that's really important that I think is often overlooked is hiring help because there's just not enough time in the day. So I'm very blessed. I have an awesome virtual assistant who helps me with just lots of things across the board with graphic design, administration, tech support, branding. So being able to extend further than you can if you do it on your own. That is the, the secret sauce. Alyssa is my secret sauce. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I think it's easy to see, especially nowadays, like there are so many solo artists out there where it's easy to assume 
they're 100% solo. They get no help from anybody, which isn't true, right? They, they might have a producer. They might have an assistant. They just might have a teacher, anything like that. It's very rare that someone does every single thing 100% on their own. It's extremely, extremely rare. So I'm glad you hit on that. So what other things do you kind of get help with or do you recommend other musicians getting help with? Is it just personal assistance stuff? Is it uh, helping with uh, PR, like you kind of mentioned? Is it management? Do you care about any of that stuff? What do you recommend? I totally care about all of that. I think it depends on where you are in your career. So usually management will come to you, anyone who's like really worth it, if you're making enough money to pay them what is, you know, appropriate to support them. I think the best help is just working with someone who can help you know what to do and what not to do and any sort of like business mentor and musical mentor to make sure your music's good or whatever your craft is creatively. Yeah. So speaking of knowing if your music's good, it's really easy when you're working on a song or an album for a really long time to forget and completely lose touch if if it's even good. It's basically impossible to know at a certain point because you're so close to it, working on it nonstop even in this production phase where it's really tedious and you're just tweaking little things here and there nonstop. How do you know when the track is ready for release? How do you know it's good, good enough? What are your metrics for knowing that? I run it by a trusted mentor of mine. So my mentor is a mixing engineer and a producer, and I'm always just upping my game in that realm, but I wouldn't hire myself to mix someone's project right now. So when I send things to him, there's that. And then also my own metrics at this point. For example, I've been sitting on this one song that's near completion for a long time. And then I started to go into this perfection realm. Oh, the vocal line needs to change. And then I've been adjusting different elements of the release of, of the, the music. And then I just can't anymore. So I'm just going to, I set these dates. It has to be done by Saturday. That's it. I told myself that before in the past, and then I, I <laughs> by last Saturday, it has to be done before uh, the end of the month because I'm just not going there. And I think it becomes a line of what you're available for and what you're not. And so uh, I'm not available to drag on projects. I'm not available for overwhelm. I just don't do it. And that's something that I learned from a mentor too. Something has to give. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it does prevent that overwhelm. You're right. When you when you check things off, you don't have them lingering in the back of your head forever, just whispering to you at night, telling like, oh, you got to finish this and this and this. It's a bunch of plate spinning. So is that how you kind of stay balanced? Do you like you just say, OK, I'm going to finish this once it's done. I'm not going to think about it too much. Like I'm not going to worry as much about it. Is that how you stay balanced? Because you do a lot. You do a lot of music stuff. You're doing coaching stuff. You have this whole mix of things. Is that how you kind of like to stay balanced? How do you balance your time? How do you think about it? Yeah, I balance my time by living by a calendar. So I block off my time so I'm intentional. But life happens and I also give myself some grace. So if things need to move, then they do. It's not militaristic. But this way, I'm actually able to track how time is actually being used. So I'm not kind of making up in my mind. It's like coming back to the numbers. Managing the time is like looking at a spreadsheet in a way. And in terms of, I kind of forget the question. Like how are you staying balanced, basically? There is no balance. I don't believe in a work-life balance. It doesn't exist. And it's just understanding that there are different seasons to life. So right now I'm on a pretty heavy work season. I work a lot. It's okay. I like it. 
and I learn a lot from it. And then I just make sure that when I'm on, I'm on. And when I'm off, I'm off. And I I eliminate as many distractions as possible. And I just really focus on being present. Mm. Yeah, that's a skill in and of itself. It's a really hard skill, but it's a skill in and of itself to stay focused, no distractions, no extra tabs open, anything like that. It's hard, but it's good. It is. Sometimes I notice myself doing something and I I think the meditating helps because then I notice these thoughts come in and then I have to tell myself, stop, like, what is happening right now? And there is this guy named Michael Singer. He is a yogi and a multimillionaire entrepreneur. He sold a computer company that he built for over a billion dollars. So he has a course from this spiritual platform called Sounds True. It's a publishing house and online platform. He's also an award-winning like New York Times bestselling author. And he talks, I love this idea. He talks about staying present in the workplace. So if he receives a phone call before he picks up just for a split second, he'll just internalize, okay, we're on this planet hurtling through space. And there is someone on the other line giving me a call for whatever topic. And that helps to just stay grounded in the moment and also just to not take things as seriously. And he also talks about when he goes through a door, he'll think that at times as well, like here I'm walking through a door on this planet through space. And it took billions of years and many factors combining together for me to be here walking through this door right now. And that just kind of helps me in the moment and just enjoy it a little more. Very much so, you know. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it snaps you back basically to what you're doing, to where you are, to what you're focusing on. And that's a good thing. It's a really useful thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious then, on top of that sort of stuff, on top of self-development, what are you focused on right now in that world? Like, what are you kind of learning? What are you trying to get better at? It could be musical. It could be non-musical. What are you, what are you focusing on? Huh. I'm focusing on doing things differently. So there are some skill sets that I really want to improve this year. And what I really want to do, it takes acquiring new skill sets and coming back to the basics and getting good at them. So it, I'm working on giving myself space in my mind because there's so many things happening. So it's like, I just want a quiet Zen garden in my mind. And, and I, and I want to laugh and working on like, for example, with vocals, I'm coming back down to the basics. Yesterday, I spent an hour just going through uh, Dua Lipa's vocals and for one song only and like breaking it apart. And like technically, stylistically, what is happening? Just because I want to understand I don't want to recreate something that someone else is already doing because it's already being done but I want to come back and like huh how can I apply certain tools that she's doing to my own recordings and then I mimic it and you know it can be helpful mimicking always when you're improving your own skill but like this detailed looking on paper and seeing it in front of you especially something intangible like music that's really helpful I'm working on this new track, but with this new track, I'm working on, um, I'm working on letting go. So for example, this new track, I've kind of been falling back 
into this perfectionist mindset like oh i don't like the vocals i think the track itself is good and i'm not as like attached to the track i, I like it but the vocals especially as a vocalist i'm like oh this is me like it has to be you know at such and such level and i wanted to represent my best of course i do but then I also ultimately don't want to stay stuck. So I'm working on, I just booked, you know, a few hours in the studio with my mentor tomorrow. And I'm also going to just be open to another viewpoint and not hold on to things and just try new things and be done with it and move on because I can't stay stuck. And then with uh, other things like um, business and, and growing that, area i'm working on developing skills like managerial skills like delegating and which i already am doing but like just to get it better and so i'm looking today i have a meeting with my va Alyssa, and i'm just part of the meeting is just about feedback like how can i be better so that we can take off even more all good things and I think I think you surmised the mindsets it really takes to do some sort of art full time. It isn't just sitting at your computer and writing music all day. There's so much more to it. You're always learning. You're always trying to manage better. You're always trying to make your time more efficient. You're always trying to keep the distractions away. There's so much more to it than just writing the song, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And it's a good window into that for sure. So as a as like a second to last question for you, when you first started as a musician, it could be when you were little, it could be when you were starting to do opera, it could be at McGill, it could be when you first moved to LA, anything like that, whatever starting point you want to pick. What did success mean to you? How did you define it? And how has that changed over time? And what is that definition now? That's so interesting, because I have these journals, like planners that I write in for prioritizing work, personal stuff, and then also just vision and goals. And I was working on them now for this year and I was reflecting back on the ones from the past four years and I've seen how things have evolved in particular areas over time. I, I love beginnings and fresh starts. So what I've noticed, there's been a lot less ego, but that might be my ego saying that to like pat itself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but there's been a lot more compassion and this element of like surrender, I'd say, because really in terms of doing new things, for me, it's been a lot about letting go and surrendering doesn't mean giving up. It's just giving in to like, okay, if I keep like pushing, pushing, pushing with this one way that I've been doing it, like, I'm not going to realize what I want. And then it's going to feed disappointment and a downward cycle. So I've just noticed a lot more, like, I guess the dreams are still the same, but the, the stance on them has a lot more compassion. Yeah. There's a wider viewpoint to kind of look out on as opposed to this narrow pinhole of just like, just looking through and saying, this is the one way you have many ways now to kind of approach it. And it sounds more holistic and more calm. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's a good place to be in. Super good place to be in. So final question before we wrap up, tell us where everybody can find you, websites, album names, all that sort of good stuff, social media. Everything. Yeah. So you can find me at alark.com is where I release music. And that's spelled A-L-A-R-K-E.com. That has links to everything. So my music's on all the channels, Spotify, et cetera. 
Instagram, A-L-A-R-K-E underscore. And I also host free workshops on finding your signature sound. So you can go to findyoursignaturesound.com. You can also go to supremesound.life. And there is, it's a whole platform for artist coaching for high vibe female artists and pop and electronic music. And we work on singing, songwriting, music production, artist development, branding, and the behind the scenes work that's necessary. And um, from supremesound.life, that'll link you to lots of different places where we can connect in like free communities and workshops and classes and opportunities to work together if it's a fit. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so, so much. I think people are going to find this really helpful. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I'm sure your audience is super cool if they're listening to your work. Yeah. So thank you for listening for everybody. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound, B-I-Z, pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game music and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.